ahead of today's show, I want to let you know about a special offer I have for you as a listener of Digital Download. Podchaser Pro is a brand new service for marketers that enables you to search for podcasts by topic and then to research and compare audience sizes and demographic data. If you like what you hear on today's show, and email cole at podchaser.com, that's C-O-L-E at podchaser.com, letting him know that you heard of Podchaser Pro from the Digital Download podcast, you'll get a one-month trial of the service for just $49. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Way back in the mists of time, before I became grey and old, a part of my work involved media outreach to bloggers. Now, this is in the days before blog databases existed, and pretty much all you had to go on to discover new blogs was blog roles, sections of websites where, as a blogger, you listed out all the people you read and respected. And then you had to try and evaluate how influential a blog was by looking at comment sections and social feeds. Blog discovery was arduous and tedious work. Fast forward to 2020, and podcast outreach is the new blog outreach. Podcast discovery around any given topic is bad enough, but when it comes to publicly available analytics, well, they're pretty much non-existent. Get tasked with researching podcasts and your heart must sink. That is, until now. Today's special guest is Cole Raven, co-founder of podcast database service Podchaser, and he set out to solve the problems of discovery for listeners and research for marketers. Cole went to university in Indiana, and ended up leading a sales team at a tech startup. He says it was a fantastic learning experience watching the company go through the fundraising process, building a team and scaling into a successful organisation. But it was through a chance encounter after a Reddit post by Cole's friend and now Podchaser CEO Bradley Davis that the idea for the service was conceived. We formed kind of this ragtag crew uh, just through a Reddit post that Bradley had made asking if something like Podchaser, like an IMDb or a Rotten Tomatoes for podcasts uh, existed and the community online overwhelmingly uh, you know, said no. And uh, Ben and Ryan, our two other co-founders in Melbourne, um, responded to that post and that's how we connected. You know, that, that was, that was uh, three and a half, four, no, four and a half years ago, I think. Yeah, it's a while ago now. The Reddit post in question was pure curiosity. Bradley wanted some way of evaluating podcasts before investing his time in listening to them. Ratings and reviews on shows or episodes or curated lists of recommendations. Having been surprised that no such thing existed, Bradley got some of the respondents talking in a Slack group to see whether it could be something that they could put together. Initially, it was intended as a bootstrap side project. Cole says it took over a year after the conception of the idea to realise that it could actually be something. But they were driven on by the community around them. We had started to receive so much positive feedback from podcast creators and from listeners that something like this, they desperately wanted it to exist. Um, and so then we were really on a mission to make it exist for them. And 
we realized that like nights and weekends weren't going to cut it. And we weren't, you know, I was somewhat familiar with what fundraising looks like just from my past startup, but none of us had done it before. Um, but we realized like, if we're going to do this and have the, have the, you know, the financial ability to quit our, quit our jobs, um, you know, to, to commit ourselves full time to this, we're going to have to raise money. You know, even before we launched, we had six or 7,000 people sign up for early access. Uh, that's when we kind of realized like, Hey, we're, we're onto something here. So talking about Podchaser itself then, could, can you kind of explain what it is? You referred to it as kind of the IMDB or, or the Rotten Tomatoes for, for podcasts, but do you want to just give a bit of insight into what, what it is and how it works? Sure, yeah. The idea is that it's really at its core a discovery platform, uh, really social discovery more than anything. So like if you're looking for podcasts that are within a particular niche. Um, you know, Podchaser is a great place to start because you can create an account, you can uh, rate and review shows, you can create lists and follow users and follow creators and other people are doing the same. So as you browse around the website and search for different things, you can, um, you can discover, I mean, we have thousands of lists every month that are being created by our users within any topic that you would ever dream of. Um, you know, it, there, there are podcasts about everything and you can find those through, through Podchaser. So ratings and reviews are one really great aspect of it because you can, um, you can see what people are actually saying about the content of a podcast. And we have, you know, ratings or at least one review on, on tens of thousands of shows. So, uh, that's, that's, that's something that outside of Apple, really nothing exists. So we're kind of the solution outside of Apple, um, for ratings and reviews. Um, so it's a great place to say, you know, we have a lot of podcasters who at the end of their show are saying like, go rate and review my show on Apple or Podchaser. Um, because if you're just saying Apple, you know, uh, we, we educate people to understand that like that isolates half your audience. You know, I, I don't yeah. have an, I don't have an iPhone. So what am I, what am I going to do to that? Yeah. With that call to action, like that does nothing for me. So, um, we, yeah. So we serve the other half of that ratings and review side of, of podcasting. But then, yeah, like, like I said, with like lists and you could follow users. So if there's somebody that's, uh, you know, one of your friends or just somebody that's prominent, like in a certain community that's on Podchaser, you can search for them and follow them. So if they leave a rating and review or create a new list, like you can get notified about that sort of thing. Um, and then a another really big piece of it is our credits system. So in the same way that you can um, search for an actor, on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes and see their entire filmography. Uh, the idea behind our credit system is you can see a profile for the host of the podcast and then you can click into that profile and you can see maybe they're not only the host of this show, but they are, they've been a guest on these 13 other podcasts, which may be, um, which, which may be podcasts that you would want to listen to. So yep. uh, that's another discovery element. You can then follow those creators. So like if you really love um, you know, a certain athlete or celebrity or politician or whoever, you could find them on Podchaser, hit the follow button. And then anytime they release a new episode, you can even opt in to get an email about, um, about their guest appearances. So that, that's data that's entirely, entirely unique to Podchaser. When it, when it was first conceived, who were the original targets for Podchaser? Was it, was it conceived with the idea of, the target being the end user, the listener, 
or was it the creators themselves or was it a mixture of both? I mean, how's that evolved over over the past couple of years? I would say it was a mixture of both, but uh, our growth strategy was very focused around podcasters. So we were, I would say, listening to their feedback and their needs more than any other end user, uh, just because we knew that if we could build something that podcasters really loved, first of all, podcasters are listeners too. <laughs> they, you know, yep. they're they're creating the content, but they're doing it because they love podcasts. So they're uh, kind of on both sides. Um, but we knew that if if we could build something that was really useful and great for them, then they would bring their listeners. You know, they would ask for Podchaser ratings and reviews. They would build lists that they would share with their listeners that would bring those people, and that proved to be really effective. You know, I think. Uh, we're at, we're at a point where nearly twenty thousand podcast creators have now claimed ownership of their podcast page okay. on Podchaser. Um, so we have a very active, you know, creator community, uh, and then you know they've they've encouraged their listeners to join. So that's that was our early approach for sure. Who fills in the, the credits on that? Because I mean, I've had fun this week playing with it, <laughs> filling in my own credits and things. But obviously, I'm an extremely niche podcaster. And you've got on in there the big podcasters. Who fills in all those credits? Is it is it um, is it the creator themselves, or can the community add to that? I mean, how does that work? Uh, it really comes from three three places. I I would say um, so. You you can like if there's not a profile uh, a creator profile for you as the host of a show or as a guest on shows, you can you can add a profile to our database, and that goes through. You know, it'll ask for like a picture and a name and your bio yeah. and your social handles and that sort of thing. And then you can add credits. Uh, and then that goes through a moderation process. So every profile, every credit goes goes through our moderation team and is approved and verified so that, you know, people aren't saying that they're a guest on the most recent episode of Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have a verification system and like user trust scores. So we understand like which users... Um, have, you know, consistently submitted good credits, which ones, you know, we've had to send back frequently and that sort of thing. So we have, we have a very complex, um, and streamlined moderation process for that, for, for user generated content, uh, with the, on, with creator profiles, but then that comes from both the creator and the listener. So like, even if somebody, uh, even if you weren't on Podchaser, but a listener went on and saw your, saw your show, they could create a profile for you. Um, that then, you know, you could come back later and claim ownership of that profile and say, Hey, this is me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the listener or creator could do it. So we have, we actually have, you know, some, some awesome, uh, awesome and, and somewhat crazy power users that will spend six, six to eight hours a day, like making profiles and adding credits, you know, in the same way that like Wikipedia is driven by, you know, this, uh, this online, these online, um, users that have a lot of time on their hands, but are very passionate. It's it's funny. I was just thinking, it sounds like a Wikipedia type, the way you describe it then, it is almost like a, a podcasting Wikipedia, if you like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so if you see data that's missing, anybody can contribute. We have lots of, um, you know, it, just like on Wikipedia, there are the top, you know, 1% of users that yeah, yeah, are, yeah. are just, just awesome. And then it also comes from, we do have a data team that keeps up with like all of the most popular shows. So like we, I don't expect, uh, you know, Joe Rogan to go in there and add credits for mm. his most recent guest, but 
we, in order for, um, you know, our, our data to be complete and useful, like we need that data. So, um, that is something that we do keep up with ourselves. And then we do have some really awesome integration partners. So like Omni studio, for example, is one where any podcaster that publishes a new episode through Omni studio has the option to add Podchaser credits um, at the point of publishing the episode. So then that comes directly to us. We can immediately approve it and it displays on Podchaser. So you don't have to even leave your hosting platform for that data to be added to our database. And where are where are the podcasts pulled from? I mean, the, the actual shows themselves. Are the, do, you, do you pull them from Apple or Google? or I mean, where, where are they pulled from? Yeah, that, that was the initial. Um, our initial way of grabbing new shows was just through through Apple. Um, since then we formed a ton of awesome relationships with hosting platforms. So, uh, you know, Buzzsprout and Omni studio, like I mentioned and captivate and all of these hosting services now directly submit new shows to Podchaser um, as a destination. So, uh, it comes from, yeah, a variety, variety of places to make sure it's complete. And what I found quite interesting was again, playing around with it. I searched for some pretty obscure podcasts in my niche out of curiosity, really, being nosy. Um, but in general, they are there. You know, you, you think, well, this is a podcast that may be listened to by 50 people, I don't know. But mm. generally, you can find, from my research, pretty much any podcast on Podchaser. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't, then then we're not doing our jobs, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> please let me know if you can't find something. <laughs> and how many users does it have now? I mean, you said it's been going for, what, a couple of years. How many users you know, typically go on to Podchaser now? Yeah, it's it's about uh, 10,000 plus a day. Um, okay. So, you know, whatever that is, a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's grown uh, every month since we've started in, in terms of like page views and how many people are using the site on a monthly basis. So, uh, you know, it's in the somewhere around 10% a month we're growing. So, uh, that's been pretty consistent over the last about two, two and a half years. The fact that Podchaser has 10,000 users a day and that growth is consistent is a very promising sign. Over the last couple of years, I've seen a few new podcast services launched that have had a big spike to start with and then just died away as users go back to Apple or Spotify or wherever else they were listening. But Podchaser has a very unique proposition – and a new pro feature that is launching on the day this show airs could make it invaluable for public relations and digital marketing professionals. You know, it's something that we've really, we've been working toward for years, um, but also sort of stumbled upon because we knew that the data partnerships that we've been building over the years would uh, be fruitful at some point. But this was really from the beginning, you know, we haven't monetized up to this point, even though we've gone through two rounds of funding, we just mm -hmm. have always trusted that um, our our user growth and our data partnerships in the industry would pay off at some point. And now it finally is with, with Podchaser Pro. So the idea behind it is so many different podcast apps are using Podchaser data for things like ratings and reviews, for things like our credits system, so that if you search for the name of an individual within those apps, you know, you can find content related to that individual, whether it's guest appearances or the show that they host. So we have all these different services that use Podchaser data um, to power discovery. And in return, they provide Podchaser back 
with uh, anonymous, unique data about listener activity. So we understand how many people are listening to a podcast, uh, how yep. far they get into each episode, um, you know, in some cases, demographic data. So lots of even even like episode level popularity to understand which episodes actually are the most popular based on what people are listening to. So this yep. is data that is incredibly unique. Um, you can't anywhere find the relative popularity of podcasts and especially their audience size numbers. Um, you can't find that anywhere else. You know, you could go to like Apple charts and see their relative chart position, but that's based on number of new subscribers over a recent time period. Like that doesn't yeah. tell you this show has 10,000 listeners a month and this one has 150,000 a month. We've built this new product around audience sizes so that you can, as like a, a PR agency or a marketing agency or somebody who's looking to just do prospecting and reach out to podcasts, you can use this tool to um, really understand how many listeners every podcast gets. And then we provide contact information on top of that. So you can search through our directory the same way you normally would, except you'll have the added element of an audience size number attached to every show so that you can then search for a topic, sort by popularity. Um, you know, I did this the other day, for example, I searched for cigars and right. just, just because I saw a recent Reddit post with somebody looking for cigar podcasts. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what'll happen. Like that's super niche. Like, I don't even know if there are any podcasts about cigars, but <laughs> yeah. I searched for it. Uh, I sorted by audience size and it turns out there were, there were, um, something like 25 or 30 shows that had hundreds of listeners a month each. And those are really great PR opportunities for, uh, you know, cigar companies is a really great advertising opportunity. Some of them had thousands or tens of thousands of listeners on a monthly basis that are, that are people who are listening to it are passionate about cigars. So those are just, those are undiscovered opportunities that we're surfacing with this new product in, in Podchaser Pro. And and that reach figure that you're talking about, the way the way you aggregate that, I mean, it's it's notoriously difficult with podcasts. The the analytics tools are virtually non-existent for anyone looking for listenership of a podcast. And my understanding is you pull from a whole bunch of places. Really, you can't pull from Apple and Spotify because they're kind of wall gardens. They're not going to give you their data, mm-hmm. but from the fact that you can pull from a whole bunch of other places, you're then able to almost project what what you think the listenership of any given podcast or podcast episode is, correct? That's that's exactly right. So yeah, we're not, you know, Apple and Spotify aren't giving us their data yet, fingers crossed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, and the, you know, our I would say our caveat to all of this is that, you know, it's meant for research and planning purposes only because, you know, we have some really smart people behind it, you know, that have PhDs in math that have helped us come up with these algorithms to make sure that, you know, it falls within a certain level of certainty that and we provide a range, you know, so we might say a show gets three to 5,000 listeners a month because we want to be confident um, that it falls within that range. So uh, yeah, but that's, you're right. That's the idea behind it. And I guess something you said earlier about the it's it's the relativity between these podcasts that's important, really, because the fact that a show might be shown to have somewhere between, say, seven and ten thousand, and another one is, I don't know, five to eight thousand, 
it's not those specific numbers that are important there. It's the fact that one has got relatively more listeners than the other way. That's 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 the way to think about these analytics for, from a Podchase perspective, isn't it? Yeah, I would say that's a good way of thinking about it. And then also just understanding like a, a lot of these PR agencies and marketing agencies that we work with will have clients come back to them if they get a podcast opportunity for like an interview and their first question is, you know, is this worth my time? Yeah. Um, like, are, does it have listeners? Are these listeners in my in the niche that I'm trying to target? And this can help those people justify that because whether even whether it's five to eight thousand or seven to ten thousand, like you said, like both of those shows are likely very good interview opportunities because that's that's a lot of people. Versus, you know, it may be something that, you know, we report it's less than 200 a month, you know, maybe that's not not worth Mm -hmm. somebody's time. Um, Or maybe it is, you know, it just kind of depends on your perspective. It does. And it depends on the niche you're looking at as well. And what I think is quite interesting is that this kind of lifts the veil a bit because podcasters are very secretive about their numbers and kind of tend to overinflate them from, from my experience anyway. Maybe I'm, I'm being <laughs> cynical there. But this kind of lifts that veil a bit. And 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 I think that's only a good thing. I'm all, I'm all for transparency around this stuff. I mean, I, I don't mind buying numbers from anyone, but I know people that do. And I like the fact that this just takes that away. That's got to be a good thing for anyone in the PR and communications industry, for example, looking around for for shows for their clients to appear on. Yeah, I mean, I had I had an agency just yesterday that emailed me and they said, "Hey, that we got connected with this podcast," and they gave me the name of the show. And they said, "You know, on Podchaser, you report that it gets four to six hundred listeners a month, but they're telling me they get thirty thousand per episode, um, right. and they they want me to pay seven hundred dollars <laughs> for for a guest appearance." And, you know, I, res- I responded and, you know, I, I think that that, that hap- that's a very common thing. You're right. Like it's people tend to overinflate their numbers or maybe they have one really stellar episode where they did get 30,000 downloads and it was because they had Mark Cuban on the show or something like yeah, I, yeah, who, yeah. Kn- who knows. But, uh, you know, that's but then, you know, these these agencies are being presented with opportunities for guest appearances or, or sponsorship and, you know, they're being asked to pay. But unlike, you know. Google ads or something like you don't really know what you're paying for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, another feature that you've kind of built in is this, this sort of uh, instant power rating of it's, it's on a, a scale of naught to hundred. And again, it's a very, all right, it's a quick glance thing, but again, it enables someone searching for, for shows to have a quick look and say, okay, well, this one might be relatively more, is, is that based on influence? Is it relatively more influential than another? Or is that, Based, I'm assuming that's based purely around the numbers. Uh, it, it it is and it isn't. So, like we do, I would say audience size is the biggest factor into that power score, and that's just really we we implemented that just to make browsing the browsing experience a little bit easier. So you could just easily see like this shows a 71 and this one's a 52. <laughs> um, but it we are working to also add some other factors into it. So like we do have things like social audience size of the creators and of the podcast um so we'll we'll factor things like that in as well so if somebody has two million twitter followers you know their power score for their podcast that they host is going to be slightly higher um because maybe they promote their episodes on twitter so that gets more exposure and that's Mm -hmm. you know just another element for you to consider or they have a big 
you know, base of YouTube subscribers. And so maybe their podcast only gets 6,000 um, downloads a month, but maybe they have 6,000 YouTube subscribers, which is, you know, that, that right there doubles their audience if they publish their episodes to YouTube. So that's, um, you know, something to consider too. And then we're also factoring in like whether or not it's trending. This, is, this will be a new feature in a couple months, but we'll show whether or not it's trending up or down over time with new subscribers. So you can see if a show is growing or not. Okay, interesting. When we talk about these different types of podcasts as well, I mean, there is a massive difference between a niche podcast on a specific topic like cigars mm-hmm. or digital communications and some of the more general general interest podcasters with celebrities and personalities running them, which, which is becoming quite common now. Do you have any advice for, for people outreaching to podcasts on kind of what to look for? I mean, I might put in a search term into Podchaser, in my topic area, which is around digital, I might be presented with Reply All, uh, which is a massive, massive show, and then Digital Download, which is a very, very niche show. <laughs> and in between those two, you're going to get a weird, real wide range of options there. But as someone who is looking to you know, get exposure on podcasts, do you think there's a benefit to going small or big or somewhere in the middle? Or I mean, how do, how do people weigh up what, what Podchaser is telling them? Yeah, I, I mean, I personally, my approach is, I, you know, I do some sometimes, you know, I'll send an email to, you know, a show that gets 50 or 100 or 100,000 or, or um, you know, a million downloads a month just you know, crossing my fingers and hoping that something works out. But yep. I would say, I would say my general advice is that in this case, the riches are in the niches <laughs> because <laughs> like it's, it's, uh, there are so many shows out there that I would say just by our calculations, there are, um, there are over 130,000 podcasts that get over a hundred, um, downloads a month. Right. And so that's, that's just, that's a ton. There, there are so many opportunities out there and I, I like to compare it to, um, you know, th- we do work with a couple of, of universities, like we place their faculty on podcasts using Podchaser Pro. And so I like to compare it to one of those faculty members, one of those professors going to have a talk to a hundred people in a room. Those are a hundred people who are going to be engaged with your talk that are very interested in what you're listening to and podcasts are really the same way when people are listening to a podcast they're very engaged with mm. um the host and the guest so i certainly would never discount um you know shows that even get 50 or or like i said 100 downloads on a monthly basis because those are 100 people um if you if you picture 100 people in a room that's a lot of people especially like if you're you know looking for uh to tell your story to get new clients or uh, you know, for, for whatever, for whatever reason. Um, so I, I always encourage, I encourage people to, to go after both. I think it's good to have, um, you know, some big, big things in the works if you can. Um, cause you never know, uh, and you know, have a lot of other opportunities. Over the last year or so podcast listenership has continued its upward trajectory and there've been some big developments in the industry. Spotify especially has made major moves and there have been lots of speculation that it's only a matter of time before many podcasts move behind a paywall. That could especially be true of the big podcast stars and celebrities, who may end up with paid exclusive deals with Apple or Spotify. 
The Joe Rogan deal this year is a prime example of where things could be headed. Cole says he's a little bit scared for the future of podcasting because of this, but he's positive about the future for niche independent podcasts. I don't think it's ever going to kill the RSS feed. <laughs> I think that that's here to stay. You know, people are always going to produce free content in the same way that they do, in the same way that, that you know, you might uh, listen or, or follow a, uh, a blog online from, from somebody that you like who produces that content. I think it'll always be there. Um, but then there are going to be those blogs that are behind a paywall, like, you know, in the same way that we've seen, um, all of these different publications over the last 10 to 15 years, um, start to monetize in that way and, you know, have a smaller, um, set of paying, paying subscribers. You know, you see Spotify making moves like adding, um, copyrighted music. Now you can add to your podcast if you're on yep. Spotify, Th things like that to bring, bring more podcasters over and more listeners over to use use their service i think they're going to continue to make aggressive moves like that which you know i don't i don't fault them for that necessarily but i also very much enjoy the open the open and free aspect of of podcasting as it exists today and i think that there will always be plenty of content out there that is not behind a paywall um, that you will never need to pay for that is more than you could ever listen to anyway so uh, I, th I don't think that's, that's going to go away, or at least that's my, that's my hope. Don't forget to claim your $49 one-month trial of Podchaser Pro by emailing cole at podchaser.com. And you can also talk to Podchaser on Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.